Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time for the latest on the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers with the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan. Good afternoon. It is the Fan Afternoon Show. I am Toby Altizer alongside Sam Schmitz, live from the Lakeland University studios, offering co-op credit for work experience. Learn your way at lakeland.edu. It is a Kim and Lavoy Judgment Day. If you've been a, if you've been charged with drunk driving or any other criminal offense, don't take chances. Call the law firm of Kim and Lavoy, Wisconsin's best criminal defense firm. Call 414 414- 257-2100 or go to KimAndLavoy.com. They're your best defense. Also, charging a cell phone can be a lot like getting a booster shot. So if you need to get a booster shot, you can go schedule yours when you are eligible. I want to talk about the Home Run Derby last night. That was an exciting one to watch. Of course, my guy, I don't care what Sparky says, my guy, Juan Soto, comes away with the win. And Soon we, to be Dodgers legend. Nah, no, Juan Soto's not going anywhere, I hope. I hope. But we will talk a little bit about that because that is intriguing. Where could he end up? Because I think that could make a real big difference in a playoff run if the Brewers are trying to win the World Series this year and some team brings in Juan Soto and they don't have to give up a whole lot affecting their team right now. Well, then, yeah, that's going to really hurt the Brewers' chances. So we will dive into that a little bit as well. I also have some complaints about baseball. I, I, I'm getting so sick of how poorly Major League Baseball does at bringing the game to younger people and how they're marketing the game. The way that they've done it, I don't think is effective. I don't know. Maybe we'll see in 10 years that they were doing it the right way. I don't think they are. I'll talk a little bit about what I think that they're doing wrong this hour as well. And then coming up in the second hour, I want to talk about the Green Bay Packers and some of the underrated players that could be for this team going into this year, maybe not getting the recognition they deserve. We'll talk about that coming up in the second hour, as well as Bart Winkler will join us coming up at 4.30. We'll talk with him about the Home Run Derby, make fun of him from two-on-two basketball, of course. We had Tim Shea join us yesterday. We got Bart Winkler today. So, you know, some more trash talk with the two-on-two matchup that – I don't know who posed that on Twitter. I think it was Taylor and Franklin. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but either way, 
Sam and I will talk some trash about that. We'll also do some draft mockery with him. And there's always time for you guys, too. If you want to hop in on the conversation, you can give us a call at 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. I did think it was interesting because yesterday we had a caller call in from Branson, Missouri, talking about Albert Pujols and how well we thought he would do. And Sam and I both thought, eh, yeah, I mean, he'll he'll be a nice story. He'll be he'll be fun to see him reminisce and be at the home run derby. But is he an actual contestant or someone to worry about? Probably not. But first round, he knocks out Kyle Schwarber. I thought that was actually quite impressive for Albert Pujols to be able to do what he did last night. And that was a fun little thing just to see him kind of enjoy one last home run derby and just enjoy the festivities. And, you know, those things are all fun. And that, that's part of what it's there for. And he was able to beat Schwarber, which kind of ridiculous for my guy who I did pick, Kyle Schwarber, to lose in the first round like that. I was frustrated because I thought for sure it would be him or Pete Alonzo going against each other. And now you end up with Albert Pujols up against Juan Soto in the second round. And Julio Rodriguez put on a show last night. Put on a show. I was really excited to see what he could do. And he did not disappoint. First round put out 32 homers. I think the second round put out, what, 31, something like that. I ended up losing in the final. But, I mean, you can't complain with the effort and what he put forth out there in Julio Rodriguez. And then Soto obviously wins the thing. So, a fun event overall. I, I think it was well done. But I think that there are some changes that maybe need to be made to do this just a little bit better. I kind of, Sam, we were talking about it before the show today. I kind of miss that old format. I do too. It just... I find it weird that MLB puts like more effort into speeding up the home run derby than the actual game of baseball nowadays. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, ban the shifts and all that next year. They're going to do some more stuff next year, but I just don't get like why the home run derby has to be sped up and like fit this time frame to because at the end of the day like you and I were talking, I loved the old format. I didn't think anything was wrong with it and I just it part of the spectacle of the home run derby is watching how far these balls fly and where they land in the crowd, and whether or not these people make the catch. Last night, I know they have the 32nd edition for, like, 440-foot homers. They have no, like, tracker. And they're mm-hmm. like, you know, by the time these ball lands, they're already cutting back to the player, and you don't even see where they land half the time. So I'd, I'd rather watch a guy have 10 outs and every swing matter more than a guy just putting up, like, 60 swings in two minutes and just trying to see how many home runs he can hit. I don't know. It's just for me, part of the spectacle is admiring every home run and like seeing where it lands. And that's the thing too. If you do ten swings and ten or like ten outs, these guys, if they crush a homer, they don't have to get the batter's box again right away and hit another one. They can just watch how far it went, take a little bit of a break, and then try to hit another one. Yeah, I think you get higher quality. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy that because you're right. They get to admire it. You get the reaction of the crowd. Because if someone cranks one 480, right. I want to see everyone reacting to it. But instead, in this format, they might crank one 480, but here they are swinging at another one, and they're watching that ball. So they don't get the true chance to erupt. Was I was I crazy, too? Or like last night, they had the split screen mm-hmm. with the one, one camera on the player and then one camera tracking the ball. 
but it felt like every home run, like they were just cutting away as soon as the ball landed. Yeah. Or like before it even landed. Am I, am I crazy or like were they cutting away like really quick? Very quickly. I didn't yeah. feel like I could fully well, understand where the balls were going. Maybe they don't have a chance because like at the end of the day, like like we're talking about, there's no there's no uh, taking your time in every swing. It's like literally Soto at one point in the final round, he had like 12 and he literally launches like three home runs right away. So mm-hmm. maybe you, you don't even have enough time to track it with the camera. Like as soon as one's hit, you know, as soon as one's about to land, two other just got hit. So I don't know. I don't think the new format's terrible. I think they could have done a lot worse with the timing and everything and the, and the brackets and stuff like that. But I just really liked the old format because it felt like every swing mattered more. You could kind of, you know, enjoy the spectacle even more of where these balls landed, how far they went. You could also see the crowd a little more every home run, like people fighting over the home run ball and stuff like that. So I don't know. It just felt like we're never going to get like a Josh Hamilton again performance at Yankee Stadium where the dude's hitting a bunch of home runs and like eventually he has to take a break because he's so tired but still hasn't hit, you know, 10 outs. I don't know. To me, I I just, I'd miss the old format a little better. Yeah. I mean, think about if you had a all star game here at Miller Park when it first opened and Sammy Sosa and the show he put on. Would it have been as fun if it were a timed event? Because he hits some absolute bombs, and he gets to admire those. Right. I just, with that whole 30-second edition, if you hit a 440-foot home run, they don't even have, like last night, there wasn't even a thing. Like, there was previous home run derbies a couple years ago where they would, like, literally have a marker. Yeah, and it would tell you how far it went. A projected distance of Mm -hmm. how far. I don't know where these balls are landing. If it's 440 feet, like, they end the round is like, well, he got two 400-foot home runs. I'm like, did he? Yeah, it I didn't even notice. Rather, it, <laughs> like, it's, it's hard to tell. It's a fun spectacle. I, I enjoy watching it, but it seems like they did a poor job with the presentation of it yesterday, and so maybe yeah. that's part of it. Maybe the overall format is fine, but ESPN's presentation of it, we had some I don't even think it's, with. I don't even think it's the presentation. Like The broadcast was okay to me. It wasn't anything great. It wasn't anything terrible. I think it's just this new format of the timed rounds and not having a you know 10 outs instead of you know the time period and all that. I just think that's more of the issue. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. Uh, I think back to your original point that in a sport that's not really timed and you don't necessarily do any of that stuff in the regular season of a regular baseball game and there's nothing, you know, they're going to try to implement rules to speed it up, but for the most part it's still going to be baseball as you know it. You get to the home run derby and if you were to go do a home run derby with some buddies, what would you do? You'd yeah. say, oh, you get X amount of pitches, or you get so many outs, and then once you hit that, that's the end of your round, and that's how many you hit. Oh, um, two more quick things, too. With this new format, now we have controversy uh, controversy of whether or not home runs were hit before the buzzer, too. Well, and you have, well, yeah, like, exactly. Who need, like, why? Did they pitch it or not? And Right. I have people like breaking down footage of whether or not, you know, uh, a home run was counted by Kyle Schwarber that should have, or whether or not Juan Soto got that last home run before the the final period. Mm-hmm. I like why why do we need controversy in the home run derby of like whether or not guys are getting a home run off before the buzzer? It's just yeah. it's absurd. It's absurd to me. I totally agree. I 100% agree. I think that the old format was fine. Did it get a little bit? It can be. It was for a little bit. It got like the dunk contest where I don't know that they got as many guys that maybe they should have, or maybe it lost a little bit of the appeal. Right. But you well, had the guys in it last night. You know what they did now? I mean, it's, I don't even think it's the new format that's helping, you know, get all these players back. It's it's the money. They were talking about it last night. Like, Julio Rodriguez is making the veteran minimum. 
in baseball right now. So if he won that extra million dollars, that's more than he was going to make this year. Yeah. So you so, have enticement for those younger guys too. It's clearly the money is what driving is what's driving bringing in the players that they are getting right now in the home run derby. So maybe that wasn't the case a couple of years ago because I felt like you know it wasn't even that boring with the old format. You know I didn't feel like we ever hit a stale period. It's just we didn't we weren't getting the players that we wanted to because there was no enticement, like you said. There was no million dollar bag to end yeah, up winning. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's it's- no derby chain from Bad Bunny. <laughs> That was sweet. I love the I like that. That was cool. That was great. That should be, you said earlier when we were talking before the show, that should be the actual trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I do love the trophy, though, but like the the chain should be like the extra incentive. Yeah. I mean, that thing was sweet. Or at least you get to wear it with all your pictures and stuff. That was awesome. Yeah. And uh, one last thing, too. I mean, how did you not pick Juan Soto? I mean, are you just ready Uh, to move on from Juan Soto? Are you just, you know, bracing yourself for a trade? No. No. I think you are. No. You just don't want to admit it. No. 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 I. I didn't think he was going to ha- be able to hit enough homers, and to be honest, he didn't. Right. Julio no, Rodriguez hit that, 80 That's the, Okay, this new format, too. I forgot about I was going to bring that up, too. Like, how does Julio Rodriguez hit 81 homers? Or what did he? I don't know. Yeah, something 80 or something, and, and Soto hit 53. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, how can you hit 28 more Clearly, homers than a guy and not win? If you like asked like casual fans, like who do you think was the star of the home run derby last night? It was Julio oh, Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez. And the fact that he still loses it just doesn't make sense. Ryan Horvat was losing his mind last night because he was actually um, the typical you know genius man that he is. He he put money on Julio Rodriguez, and he was upset that you know Rodriguez is the star of the show and doesn't win the home run derby mm-hmm. because of this format. So, like I said, I don't. I don't hate the new format. I can I can certainly tolerate it. I'll live with it. I'm not going to complain about it as much in the future. But, man, I'm just uh, kind of reminiscing about, like, some of the home run derbies I grew up with, like the San Francisco Giants one in 07. I think Vladimir Guerrero won that one. The Griffey home run derbies, the Josh Hamilton performance in Yankee Stadium. Like, I really loved that old 10 outs format as opposed to the timing, you know, one-minute, two-minute periods. Totally agree. Totally agree. I got some other things I do want to complain about with baseball. If you want to hop in on the conversation, you can give us a call 414-799-1250. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be more of the Fan Afternoon Show with Toby and Sam here on 1250 AM, The Fan. 1250 AM, The Fan. It is the Fan Afternoon Show. I'm Toby That is Sam Schmitz. We are live from the Lakeland University Studios talking with you about baseball. Not necessarily just the Brewers, but baseball in general. Last night, Juan Soto wins the home run derby. I do want to ask you guys about that. Do you think that the Brewers would have enough to get Juan Soto if that were something? And would you do something like that if you could? We'll talk a little bit about that. So if you want to call us and give your thoughts or a trade package, you can give us a call at 414-799-1250. But I do have some things that, before we get to that, I want to complain about this All-Star Weekend baseball in general, and how poorly they do of marketing their sport. It's really frustrating to me that baseball is such a beloved sport by so many people, and yet we can all clearly see that they're doing such a poor job of getting it out there and growing the game. You know, you see it with football, you see it with basketball, and they've done a phenomenal job of continuing to grow those games and yet with baseball, it just seems like they continually drop the ball. So here's a couple examples of things that frustrated me. So I woke up uh, this morning and looked because I wasn't able to watch the Derby from beginning to end. So I didn't see necessarily everything that went on. But 
I saw that Conan Gray was the guy who sung the national anthem yesterday. Do you know who Conan Gray is? I don't. You're in L.A., Los Angeles. You couldn't find someone else? Now, he has millions of listeners on Spotify, and I think he went more famous on TikTok with different things and his his singing ability there, and that's fine and all. But you're telling me you couldn't get someone better when you're in L.A. to sing the national anthem? And let's be honest, it wasn't very good. I've heard worse. Fergie was worse, but I don't know if I've heard much worse than what his performance was. And there was an article written about that that I was reading this morning, and I listened to his rendition. And it just it wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. And when you have all that talent out in Hollywood whether it's singers or actors even and different groups that are going to be in L.A. It's Los Angeles. This isn't Milwaukee we're talking about. This isn't somewhere small. This is Los Angeles. And that's the guy you have singing the National Anthem ahead of Home Run Derby. I'm interested to see what they have for tonight's All-Star game. But I think that's where they failed. And, and this is where I, I've seen a lot of this. You know, you follow various people that are social media influencers. And I follow some of those people. And they're all at the MLB All-Star Weekend. And that's fine. That's great. But I think that's what Major League Baseball's marketing idea to get out to younger kids has been. Let's take these TikTok stars. Let's take these Instagram models and different things. And we're going to put them at All-Star Weekend as opposed to trying to promote the game by showing off our young stars. Sure, you could have turned on the Home Run Derby and see the young stars, but you know what we'll do? We'll make sure that we have all these TikTok people at the Home Run Derby so they can put it on their stories and kids want to check it out. I don't think that's the way that you're going to grow your fan base. I think showing the actual game and trying to make it appealing is going to be the most likely way to grow your fan base. You know, maybe you get some fans by having, I don't know, whoever's at these things, random TikTokers. I'm sure you're going to grow the game in some senses by having those people there. Some people are going to be more prone to check it out after seeing where they're at and seeing what's going on. But I think the best way for you to grow it and the way to keep those fans is by putting the exciting content out there. Put the exciting home runs that are out there. When Julio Rodriguez steps to the plate... Make it known. I think of the NBA and how good of a job they've done with various stars that they have. John Morant is someone that's kind of taken over social media over the last couple years as he's been in the NBA and the different things that he's done. You see Steph Curry all the time or LeBron or these guys. It's not like Major League Baseball doesn't have stars of that sort of caliber. Mike Trout still plays in Major League Baseball, and he's going to go down as one of the greatest players of all time. And yet, how many of you even know what Mike Trout sounds like? Or how many highlights have you seen of Mike Trout just this year or even last year? Shohei Otani, I think they've done a good job of getting him out there. But I wonder if that's more so because he's an international star. And internationally, people have done a really good job of kind of growing his brand. So you struggle with Shohei Otani being good. But what else? Uh, who else is the stars that have been pushed out there? You know Soto, you know these different guys. But think about last night and the big star of the night, Julio Rodriguez. 
He was awesome. How many people before the Home Run Derby last night had heard of Julio Rodriguez or had seen a play from Julio Rodriguez? You know the crazy part? I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you want to talk about. I'm on all those things. You know how many highlights I've seen from Julio Rodriguez this year? Maybe one or two, if that. I can't think of any off the top of my head. And I follow sports just as much as anybody. And I haven't even seen Julio Rodriguez highlights. I know who he is because I follow baseball so heavily. But how about the person that isn't following it like it's part of their job? Do they know who Julio Rodriguez is? Because they should. He's a star in the making. And last night he showed that. And here's another thing. Go on MLBShop.com right now. All right? I challenge you. Go ahead. Go there right now. Go look at the Mariners. And go look at their jerseys. Tell me where you can buy a Julio Rodriguez jersey without having to customize it. Because I don't think you're going to find it. I looked earlier today and I didn't see it. And that's the problem with baseball right there. You know, a kid says... Oh, yeah, I want a Mariners jersey. Who, who should I buy? Okay, Ken Griffey Jr., that's cool. They, he never watched Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, Ichiro, that's cool. Uh, he didn't watch Ichiro either. The guy that he's going to get to watch is Julio Rodriguez. The guy that he's going to get to watch, even a guy like Kyle Lewis. They're selling Mitch Hanniger jerseys. They're selling Kyle like one Kyle Lewis jersey. That's great. Where's Julio Rodriguez? That's the star of your baseball team. That's one of the main stars of the league right now as a young guy. You know who never had that problem when he was coming up? John Morant. All over the place if you wanted to buy a Memphis Grizzlies jersey. John Morant, John Morant, John Morant, John Morant. That's not the case. I still think it's a problem with the Brewers. Go on Brewers MLB shop and go look to buy a jersey for yourself. And you say, well, I want someone other than Yelich. Well, good luck finding that. Maybe you'll find an Adamas. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll find a Burns. Maybe you won't. The crazy part is you have Corbin Burns and Josh Hader on the same baseball team, two of the best pitchers in the league. And guess what you won't find in stores? Corbin Burns and Josh Hader jerseys. You want to tell me how that makes sense? It, it, it just doesn't make any sense how the... Major League Baseball does such a poor job of marketing its stars. That's how you're going to grow the game. Get them to fall in love with these players. Not by sending TikTokers and Instagram models and all these different other people that are social media moguls. Don't send those people to the All-Star game to try and grow your game. They can be there, and that's fine. You're going to get some people by doing that. That's fine. But what you should be doing is pushing your superstars out there so that people know them. I should know what the sound of Juan Soto's voice is. I should know who Mike Trout is. I should know Shohei Otani. I should know all these people. Think about the way that you know LeBron. You know Steph Curry. You know all those people. And if they're talking on the radio, if I were to play a clip from them and I wouldn't say who it is, you'd say, oh, yeah, that's Steph. Oh, yeah, that's Draymond. Could you do that with Mike Trout? I couldn't. I couldn't do it with a lot of baseball players. And that's a shame because you've got stars. You have one of the greatest pitchers of our generation, Clayton Kershaw, starting tonight for the first time, I believe, in an all-star game. Did you know that? That should be out there. 
Because guess what? If some star like Carmelo Anthony or something like that was making his first start in an all-star game and he'd been to you know 10 or 11, he was finally getting to start one, that'd be all over the place. But no, you probably didn't know that because baseball does such a poor job of marketing its product. All right, I do want to get into some of this Juan Soto discussion and if there's a possibility that he could end up in Milwaukee. And we'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. 414-799-1250 if you want to hop in on the conversation. Let's get out to Trav and Brown Deer. He wants to talk about the Home Run Derby. What's going on, Trav? How's it going, guys? Uh, Just going back to the jerseys thing, you know, it's like, okay, people buy all these jerseys and the player's gone. That's why I always will just pay extra Get my last name and my number on it, and it'll never go out of style when I go to a game. Uh, other than that, I, you know, I, I like the All-Star game. I like the home run derby, but I, I won't watch it tonight. And when I called in, a couple years ago in our church league, they were like, for the All-Star game, one of the last ones I played in, instead of they are like, let's play backwards, you know, a softball, anyway. So, I mean, MLB could could probably do it too instead of running the first if you get a hit you got to run the third and like you know in softball you got the the backstop so if you got the certain point run in the first you were out if you caught yourself you could still go back towards third base but even playing the you know the the field i was an infielder and outfielder but it's like you had to think it was funny i made so many outs at the beginning you really had a I mean, it would be great for baseball and the fans, I think, you know. The, it's a little different, but... Uh, it's a lot uh, different, Mike. Or Trav, yeah, sorry. I, I, I don't know. That was the first time I... And I, and I, I loved it. Um, I'm sure other people have tried it, but if they haven't, it's it's a good experience, and it's fun. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm open to all types of ideas. Trav, appreciate it, man. Yep, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'm open to ideas. If they could find something to fix it, I would totally be down. Because, I, I, again, I just think that they've done such a poor job of marketing these things. You know, whether it needs to be, let's do a fun sort of format, whatever it needs to be. I think the Home Run Derby is a great way to bring fans in. I think that's an exciting event, and generally, that's the most exciting play in baseball for a lot of fans. I personally don't think the Home Run, unless it's an absolute bomb, is the most exciting. I think different plays, like triples and stuff like that, can be more exciting because there's a little more action, but for the normal fan, a home run is the most exciting play, and so when you do a whole event geared around the home run, that's a way you can grow the game. But again, I I don't know that the event format does the best job of allowing you to put that stuff out on social media and get kind of grow the game. I don't know that they're going the best route about trying to get people to know the players out there, because... I, I just think it's crazy that Julio Rodriguez is out there and he's going to be an all-star as well, and rightfully so. And how many of you knew anything about Julio Rodriguez until last night? And I think that's a shame because when you have these different people coming in in other sports, they're covered so much differently. It is a little different with you know basketball and football because there's a draft and they come up that year, right? I mean, you, you draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall if you're the Jaguars and he's starting right away. And so you get to see him on the field right away. So I get that. Same sort of thing with basketball. And Ben Carroll this year is going to put on the jersey for the Magic right away. Okay, I get that. 
but when you have a guy who is projected to be one of the top prospects and he's coming up and he's going to start the year with a team, you should really be pushing it. I thought they did a good job with Tatis. But now that Tatis has been injured, have you felt like they've covered anyone else like they did with Tatis? It's not like Tatis is the only young superstar in Major League Baseball. Why don't they do a better job with Julio Rodriguez and these guys? It just really frustrates me that they don't do a better job with all these things. All right, we're going to take a quick break. want to talk about this Soto thing. We'll dive into that next here on the Fan Afternoon Show. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz here on 1250 AM. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 12.50 a.m. The Fan. It is a Fan Afternoon Show. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz. Charging a cell phone can be like getting a booster shot. A booster is given to enhance or restore protection after a primary series vaccination, which will wane over time. So schedule an appointment when you are eligible. I want to talk about Juan Soto. He won the home run derby last night. I've got kind of my complaints out of the way now. I do want to talk about his future. And he's turned down $440 million with the Washington Nationals as what's been out there. 15 years, $440 million. He said no to that. So I understand that some of the responses to our question, do you think the Brewers have what it takes to go get Juan Soto? Would the Brewers have enough to go get him? Your initial response is going to be, well, they can't afford to sign him. And that's not the question. Because right now with Juan Soto, the way it's working, he's going to have two more years of arbitration, which will mean that his salary number is still going to be quite large. I'm not sure what he's, let me see what he's making this year. But you'll be able to theoretically afford him. Like he's making seventeen million this year. I would assume that might go up to around nineteen or so, and then twenty or so the year after that. So he's not cheap, but he's not in the thirties and forties. Like you'll still be able to, if Mark really wanted to, he could afford him. So would the Brewers have enough though if they wanted to make this trade? And I thought it was interesting because. I was looking at various places that had put out some proposals for Juan Soto, and CBS Sports put out an article, and they said, we'll rank the least likely and most likely places he could go. And the Brewers were a part of a group that basically said they don't pay enough money for them to expect Juan Soto to end up in Milwaukee, and there's no way they could make it work. They did lay out one format, though, that maybe the Brewers could consider here if they really wanted to. You could trade for Juan Soto right now before this trade deadline and then play with him next year 
and then trade him before the following season, the last year before he hits free agency. And that's how you could maybe recoup some of the prospects you're going to have to give up. And I think that's intriguing for the Brewers because that works on a similar timeline to Josh Hader. Josh Hader is going to be a free agent after next season. So would you consider trading lots of prospects for Juan Soto to kind of go all in for this year and next and then maybe try to recoup some of those by trading him the following year after not this next season, but the season after it would be his last year before free agency because you're not going to be able to afford him once he hits free agency. We already saw that he turned down $440 million. Milwaukee's not able to pay that. If D.C.'s not going to raise their offer anymore, then L.A. or maybe Chicago or somewhere like that is going to bring him in and pay him probably closer to $500 million. So if they, the Brewers won't be able to afford him at free agency, but they could consider bringing him in essentially for at most the next two seasons, trade him at the deadline during his final year, get something for him, because you're going to have to give up a whole lot of your farm system. And I think that's an intriguing option for the Brewers because you would trade a lot, you'd get Juan Soto, and then you'd have a year and a half of him, and then you would trade him again, and you would get a lot in return. Because still, right now, Juan Soto is 23. So you would trade for him, he'll turn 24 in October, I believe, so you'll trade him when he is 25, I believe, 25, 26, uh, one year left on his deal before he heads to free agency, someone would take that on and give up a whole lot. Now, it probably wouldn't be as much as the Brewers have to give up here because you're getting him with three years, basically, or two and a half years. But I think it's an intriguing option for the Brewers to consider. I do want to go through, though, what kind of prospects they'd have to give up, and we'll do that next here. But 414-799-1250 if you want to hop in on the conversation. Let's get out to KJ in West Dallas. KJ, what's going on, man? Aloha. Hey, aloha, brother. That's an interesting uh, little proposal. Let me ask you this, Toby. Who is Juan Soto's agent? Oh, don't get me started. Scott Boris. Okay. So you think Scott Boris is going to allow Juan Soto to sign a little... uh, a small deal with the Brewers. Well, he's not going to have to. So he has arbitration. So basically the way that that's going to work is the Brewers will throw out a number next year that they think he should make. So probably somewhere, if they were to do it, $17, 18000000 Juan Soto will counter with how much do I think I'm worth. Maybe he'll say 20 or so. And then ultimately he'll go to a process. So at most, Juan Soto over the next couple of years is going to be getting 20 to 25. And 25 is on the high end. I think he's probably going to be sitting there around 18 or 19. So it's not necessarily about agreeing to things with an agent before you hit free agency. And that's part of why Boris has held Soto from accepting that deal is because he wants him to hit free agency where he could ask for some of those larger numbers. So it wouldn't be about agreeing to contracts. That's why I think it's intriguing, and that's why baseball's contracts are a little bit weird, and that's why it might work for the Brewers if they were to decide to do something like this. Yeah, okay. And so you have an idea of what you'd have to put in to get a Juan Soto? Yeah, think of any prospect you can think of any prospect you can name and include all of them. Basically, I I think uh, what I saw from a John Heyman report is the 
the Nationals would ask for either all four of the team's top prospects or they would ask for some young major leaguers or, or something of that nature? Uh, I, and to me, it feels like uh, they're going to ask for a Josh Hader or they're going to ask for one of our starting pitchers along with Oh, without a doubt. I don't uh, think they would ask best. for – I don't think Josh Hader would be on the table because I don't know how much a closer does you good when your team is terrible. But I do think it would include a pitcher. But I don't know that it would have to be Burns or Woody. I think Peralta could be someone that they would want. Yeah, Peralta is definitely someone that they should probably look at uh, moving at this point, I think. I mean, you don't need three aces. <laughs> well, here's what <laughs> I have – poker. Here's what I put together – if I were looking, I don't think this would be enough, but this is kind of something that I would start with if I were on the Brewers' side. So okay. I have Jackson Churio, Sal Freelich. They'd probably have to include Weimer, but I don't have him in here right now. Aaron Ashby, Tyler Black, Antoine Kelly is a lefty who was in the Futures game. So that's five prospects. All right. They're all inside your top, I believe, 15 or 16. Uh, Churio and Freelich are your top two. And I think the reason that maybe they don't want Weimer is you'd have another outfielder, and that'd be kind of getting redundant. But if they need the top three or four, and then I think you get the young major leaguer in Ashby, who's a good arm. And so I think if you're the Brewers, and if that were the case, I would consider that because essentially the only major league guy that you're losing is Aaron Ashby. Yes, you might hurt yourself in the future, but you're not hurting yourself now, and you could probably try, you could plug Juan Soto right into the lineup and try and win a World Series. Yeah, and I, you know, I wouldn't be uh, upset if they put a Colton Wong or somebody sure. else in that in that deal as well. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe Arias would be someone they'd want too. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good, Brenna. Yeah, I mean, I, I at first thought I would agree and think it's not possible, but. I, I don't know that the Brewers could match other offers, you know, because the Dodgers and other teams are going to have prospects. But if we're just looking at it, I think the Brewers could actually throw out there an offer that the Nationals would consider. Okay, so you have uh, some connects there in Washington, right? Sure, yeah. From that area? Yeah. All right, well, why don't you make a couple calls, man? <laughs> I, I'm gonna try and keep. I'm gonna try and keep Juan Soto in D.C. Unfortunately for you, Brewers fans. Oh wait a minute! What, <laughs> what are you bringing all this up for? Then I'm just saying that I think that they have the, uh, the capabilities. Man. Uh, okay. All right. Aloha, better. Aloha, KJ. Thanks for the phone call. Four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. Would you think the Brewers have enough to trade for Juan Soto? We'll continue talking about that next here on the Fan Afternoon Show. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz here on 1250 AM, The Fan. 1250 AM, The Fan. It is the Fan Afternoon Show. I am Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz. We are live from the Lakeland University studios talking about the Brewers and could they trade for Juan Soto? I do want to get your thoughts on this in just a second, Sam, but during the break I saw that Todd Rosiak had tweeted, the Brewers in the 18th round took, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Gerangelo Sagenti. Interesting. Well, that's all right. That's what we'll go with. We all remember the first time we had to pronounce Giannis Adetokounmpo. That, that's what we're going to go with. Gerangelo, I don't know how you say his name. He's a switch thrower. A switch thrower. I think we've seen one of those guys in Major League Baseball in the last 
little bit. Who was it? It was someone with uh, somebody from the Oakland A's. Yeah, I forget I'll what his Google name was. His name. But he, he could throw. He had like a six fingered glove. Now there's someone like that going to be in the Brewers organization. That's crazy though. How can you throw left handed and right handed? Pat Venditti. Yeah, Pat Venditti. That's right. Yeah, he he pitched. He, he didn't do super hot, but <laughs> no. And that's you you tell that you you're like oh the Brewers drafted a switch pitcher and I just kind of like you know let out like a <laughs> because like, here's the hey, thing man, it's 18th round with, I know but like with Pat Venditti here's the thing if you're a switch pitcher unlike a switch hitter like chances are you're a switch pitcher because that means you're not good enough. Well, no, here's the here's the thing, side. Sam. Here's the thing. You can test out if he needs to be a righty or a lefty. So you get yeah. twice the chance to develop him into a good pitcher. I would just hope that eventually if the Brewers, if this guy does, you know, continue to have a minor Imagine, league baseball career, that they that he sticks with like one side of the pitcher's mound as opposed to continuing to but, be a switch but, pitcher. But Imagine the fun Craig Council will have if he can pitch from both sides. <laughs> the three batter minimum, too. Council's going to try to get a whole new rule put into baseball because he's like, well, you're giving me a three batter minimum. I can't go to my, you know, I can't continue to make uh, bullpen changes when I want to on demand. Well, here, try out this uh, switch pitcher. <laughs> oh, and just wait until Craig Council yeah. figures out if he can pitch back to back days, but with opposite arms. But you know what I mean, though? Like, I hope this Start. guy, if he continues to have a minor league career, that he eventually just chooses to pitch one way because. Clearly, we've seen a lot of baseball players, too, like even hitters, like Cedric Mullins. He used to be a switch hitter. Now he just bats on the left side of the plate, and he is a former all-star. Yeah, just choose to pitch lefty. Right. You you can be a switch hitter. Like Some guys are, are good hitters, like Jose Ramirez and all that, but those, that's like a superstar it's in baseball. Rare. It's very rare that you can actually be a good hitter from both sides of the plate. Um, so the same goes with pitching. Like There's a reason we've only heard of one switch pitcher. And, it's because and we, he wasn't and we didn't really, hear much about him. And either. he wasn't really that good. So if you're a switch pitcher, chances are you're probably not that good of a pitcher. And I know it's the 18th round, but I just thought that yeah, was it's, interesting. It's worth, worth taking a shot. Yeah, it's an interesting topic to talk about. Would the Brewers have enough to get Juan Soto? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AM. The fan, I kind of laid it out for you just real quick. Again, if they traded for him, he's got two more years of arbitration, so they could essentially trade for him this year. They get a half a year. They get full next year, and then they could trade him going into his final year before free agency and still recoup some of those free or some of those prospects that they traded. So you could essentially trade him and whatever the prospect haul is compared to what you gave up uh, when you traded him again, then that would be essentially what the trade consisted of, and you get a year and a half of Juan Soto. Is that something that you would consider being worth it? And how much do you think you'd have to give up, and would you be able to recruit that? I think what I'm about to say probably sounds a little you know, hypocritical because we always talk about how the Brewers need a bat and, you know, as Rami and I used to say, like that dude in the Brewers lineup. It would be that dude. Juan Soto would certainly be that dude at the young age of 23 years old. But I think the Nationals would rather have a haul from one of these teams that is going to be able to sign Juan Soto because they're going to have to give up that much more, if that makes sense, as opposed to a team like the Brewers who probably won't go all in on trading for him and won't have clearly enough. You know what I mean? Like the Washington Nationals, they sure. could get a better haul well, from any other team if if a team wants to actually sign this guy long term. That's where I think that you're going to have the issue is I think if we were just saying, could the Brewers trade for him? 
Yeah, I think they have the prospects. I think they have what they no, need. I'm sorry, I don't. No, I don't think. <laughs> I, I think there's going to be working through with Churio, Freelick. You're going to have to give up Ashby. Toby, but you like, probably have to give up a re- like, all these. I, I all think these. You're capable of it, but I don't think when you combine that with an off or say you're going to go up against right. an offer from the Dodgers, that's where you run into it. I'm sorry, you can talk me up as much as you want about Jackson Churio, Joey Weimer, all these guys, but all these prospects. They don't stack up against any of these other teams when it comes to their farm systems. They may be a top prospect in the Brewers organization, but they don't sniff. You know the hey top. Hey man, 100. those top those top three are all in the top 100. I get it, but that'd be not, three top 100 prospects. I get it, but uh, you get Ashby, Toby. Some of these other teams that like the Yankees and all that, they have top 50 prospects that they can offer you. Sure, and that's what. Again, that's why I'm saying it's tough if they're going to have to go up against the Yankees and the Dodgers, which they will. But I so, think if they really wanted to. The Brewers could put together an offer that would be competitive to get Juan Soto. I mean, I guess it, they would, it would be an offer, but it's certainly not an offer that's going to be good enough. Anyway, you anyway you cut it. The Milwaukee Brewers just don't have anything close to what these other teams have at the end of the day, in my opinion. So Juan Soto to the Brewers, it's probably a dream that's never yeah, going to happen. It was, it's probably not going to happen. Again, this but, is all conjecture. But here's the problem: because Juan Soto is so young. And he does deserve that contract, despite what some people might want to say about Juan Soto turning down nearly half a billion dollars. He will get five hundred million from oh, one yeah. team, mm-hmm. Someone being twenty three years him. old and already winning a World Series and having a batting t- batting title and being a two ninety three career hitter so far at the young age of twenty three. Um, but I think it's more likely that a team would have to package a couple star players, current MLB players, along with the haul from the farm. A lot of these teams. If they give up just their farm system, it's not going to be worth it. But if I, I really think the Padres might have a shot at trading for Juan Soto. Yeah, I, I think that some of these teams that maybe have a deeper farm system would be more appealing to but I think the Nationals because it, you might not realize it, guys, but the Nationals are the worst team in Major League Baseball this year. Yeah, but <laughs> here's the thing, because I know your owners might want to sell the team too. They're trying to right now, yeah. Let's say... And we were talking about yesterday after softball, just me and a bunch of the guys, we were trying to talk about what the Nationals could get for Juan Soto. If you were willing, like if you're the Padres, would you be willing to swap Fernando Tatis for Juan Soto? No. Along with a bunch of farms? No. Why not? Why would I trade Tatis? For Juan Soto? No. And then sign Juan Soto to the contract? No. Why not? I already have Tatis. I already know what Tatis is. But then you can have Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Jake Cronenworth, and all those guys. Yeah, I want Tatis, Soto, and Cronenworth and all those guys. It's not possible to have yes, it Tatis. Is. It's not possible it to is. have Tatis and Soto. It is. I think you can trade a lot of prospects to get Juan Soto because the Nationals are so bad. But the Yankees could offer you prospects in Glaber Torres and a bunch of other major league ready talent along I with think prospects. It, that's different than offering. I, I just think that if I'm San Diego, the two guys that are off the table are Machado which I don't think the national Nationals would want anyways, well, and he, Fernando Tatis. The reason I bring up the Padres and Tatis is clearly Tatis has already shown worries of injuries and all that, and I think the Padres would rather have Juan Soto, a guy who isn't injury-prone already. The, the Padres already signed Tatis to this mega contract. If you can trade for that, what's the difference in paying Tatis? couple million more I, I would not the Nationals, trade Tatis. The Nationals, they get their superstar. They can get butts in the seats owners can be happy and all that and at the end of the day you still have Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Jake Cronenworth and a bunch of other players along with you know 
a pretty good pitching staff as well. To me, that's an upgrade for the Padres and the Nationals get their superstar that they can yeah. you know, still continue to sell fans on. I don't think so. I don't think that would happen. If I you're the Nationals, too. You're, oh, if I'm the you're Nationals, ta- you're I'd take- be so excited to get You're taking Padres. on a contract, what? You're willing to pay Juan Soto $460 million. What's the difference in bringing in a guy like Fernando Tatis? They've got, shown what, that they're willing to pay million? their guys, but maybe not exactly in the way that their guys would want. So they've shown that they're willing to take on a big contract. I mean, look at Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg. Those are still on the books. They're willing to pay big money. So, I mean, you're right. If that would be the case for the Padres and they can bring someone in right now, who knows when Tatis is going to get back on the field. I know he's gone through some hitting stuff, but it's not like he's proven, you're right, that he can go long stretches, multiple seasons, and continue to be healthy and not being idiot, an idiot in the offseason and wreck your motorcycle and hurt yourself. To me, that trade is just a win-win. I think it's the only – it's kind of like Kevin Durant in the NBA where with Juan Soto, because he's so young, he's already won a World Series, he's already won a batting title. It's like Kevin Durant where I don't think there really is a lot of teams that can put together a trade package for Juan Soto because he's just that good. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I don't think that there I think, are a whole lot. I think lot. that Padres deal is like the closest thing that might come to an actual deal because it certainly outmatches the Yankees and whatever they're going to offer. The Yankees can certainly sign Juan Soto to a deal, but you're getting a better haul if you're the Washington Nationals trading with the Padres. The Mets, I don't know what the hell they're going to give you aside from just a bunch of prospects. So I don't know. We're just kind of brainstorming that. To me, it makes a little bit more sense than I think a lot of these other teams because I think you're going to have to trade – some MLB-ready talent right now, along with your entire farm system. Real quick, I do want to. Go, uh, we'll take a break and get into some Packers talk here in just a second. But what do you think ultimately happens? Where does he end up? What do you think some of the haul is, or if it's just going to be prospects? Like, where do you think he ends up? I really think the Padres is a realistic option for Juan Soto. I would probably say Padres, or if it's not the Padres, the Yankees. Is it this year? Um, I I think it's. I think the Nationals were a little bit too late to say, well, now we'll trade Juan Soto with almost a little less than a month before the trade deadline. Um, I think it more. I think it's more likely he gets traded this offseason. I kind of think that if it goes throughout this entire trade deadline and he doesn't get traded, that he'll end up staying in D.C. And the reason I say that is I think that whatever person buys the Nationals once the learners finally sell is going to say – how am I supposed to fill the seats at Nationals Park if I don't have any superstars? Toby, he wants to clearly be on a winning team. If I throw $500 million at him and I'm willing to... He look, can get the, $500 million from a winning team, The too. learners are holding back because they're trying to sell and they haven't made as much money as they would have liked. They're, they're holding back a little bit on how much they're willing to offer. If a new owner comes in and says, get this thing done, I don't care how much it is... I mean, I think that there's a possibility that could happen. All these teams have been brought up for trade destinations for Juan Soto. They can also throw him the exact same amount of money, and they can provide a winning culture too. He likes D.C., dude. I get it, but he clearly wants to win another World Series, and that's clearly why he's rejected these last two offers aside from well, the money. Well, but if you're signing a deal for $15 million, or not $15 million, 15 years, they can be bad for a year or two and keep building through things, so I – I, I think know. it's I think it's hard to convince him that when you chose Steven Strasburg over Trey Turner and Max Scherzer and guys like that, and he's clearly seen all of his teammates that he won a World Series with. He's just they're not on the team anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to argue with you about this because we're going to have different viewpoints the whole time. Yeah, because of uh, our different 
fandoms here. But yeah, I mean, I I do think you bring up good points. I just don't think if they sell the team, I'd have a hard time seeing a new owner coming in and letting Juan Soto walk. And unless they tried everything possible, and he's just going to turn down five hundred million, and he's going to keep turning down every offer, then sure, yeah. I mean, at some point you got to trade him. But I, that is something that's really intriguing, and that is going to change the landscape of baseball if he does get dealt, especially if it get, he gets dealt here before the All-Star break this year, or not before the All-Star break, before the trade deadline this year. Because if he gets moved this year, that's going to shake things up. No matter what team he goes to, they're going to be right there because they probably won't have to give up tons and tons of Major League talent. So they're going to give up more prospects. So they're just going to improve by adding one of the best hitters in the game on their own team right now. I'm glad that you and I, at least, if there's one thing that we do agree on, it's that he is worth that half-a-billion-dollar contract. Oh, 100%. I mean... It just still blows him. I thought he was 24. He's still only 23 years old. He's 23. And that's why he's going to end up getting more than a lot of players is because he's going to hit free agency at the age of 26. And generally, with how baseball works, you hit the free agency at age 29, at age 30, sometimes even a little bit later. And so, you know, you're already getting to that age where you're questioning how many more years you have of that. That's why Aaron Judge isn't getting $500 million. Because he's hitting free agency and he's 30 years old. And right. Yeah. Juan Soto's hitting it at 26. Right. I mean, the thing is, too, though, with Juan Soto, unlike a lot of these superstars like Tatis, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Wander Franco, Key Brian Hayes, like Juan Soto's already won the World Series. Mm-hmm. He was a crucial part to that playoff run. If it wasn't for Steven Strasburg, probably would have been the World Series MVP. Maybe Anthony Rendon, but clearly Juan Soto is a huge part of that. And then on top of that, he's already proven to be a batting title champion. He's a 293 hitter in a day and age where what, like 260, 240 is the league well, and average. And you know what's crazy is you can say he's hurt his value this year, and I don't know that he has because he's no. having a bad year. Right. And he's showing you that he's still one of the top five, top ten hitters in baseball, even when he's not playing his best. Yeah. So it'll be very, it's, it's very interesting. Like this, I, I know it probably breaks your heart, Toby, but this is kind of a good thing for baseball right now. Builds uh, up a lot of drama. Sure. A lot of teams, a lot of news stories, because at the end of the day, if Juan Soto gets traded, we could be talking about one of the biggest trades in MLB history easily. Yeah, I mean, it definitely adds a lot of drama. I don't like it, but it is where it is. All right, I do want to talk some Packers football now that I'm depressed. Uh, I want to talk about the Packers and who you think are some of the more underrated players going into this season. We'll talk about that next here on the Fan Afternoon Show. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Sam Schmitz here on 1250 AM, The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.